Welcome to the Running in Place podcast, the Gen X take on a millennial world. I'm your host, Jack Rolf, and joining me at the other end of the digital umbilical is... Craig Shepard. And we're here to give some thought on our thought leaders. And just remember, you can find us at, at Running Place Pod on Twitter and on Facebook at the Running in Place podcast. And here today, this evening, or whenever you're listening... We're kind of here to talk about our, our thought leaders and kind of what's going on in the world and maybe what's a little different than possibly when we grew up or or when we started deciding what was going on in the world and uh, kind of about how the rules have changed over time. Craig, you got any uh, thoughts on that? Well, boy, have they. Um, I, I think it's, it would be easy to identify uh, a number of things that – um, were more publicly acceptable as talking about media specifically, so commercials, things like that, that we grew up watching that would be just unthinkable today. Just the, the cartoons alone. I mean, how much vi- sure. terrible violence there was in our cartoons, you know, whether it was G.I. Joe or Voltron or Mask or Robotech uh, versus today where there's virtually no violence except all kinds of talking back and kind of, you know, I don't know, more attitude based. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, it's possible that in some ways cartoons today are meaner than they were when we were younger. Uh, whereas by, mean, by that, I mean, um, you know, the violence is more uh, out there in your face, direct. Um, whereas I think when I uh, have occasion to watch the shows my kids are watching, um, they're just it's more of a mean girls vibe. And uh, I'd almost rather have what we grew up with, honestly. Yeah, no, I mean, e- even though in GI Joe, they, you know, they, sure they blew up a lot of planes, but everybody ejected, nobody was killed. But they didn't necessarily go up and call them awful things or be snide or <laughs> snarky to them. You're right, meaners are a, right. kind of a good way to say it. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. Did and, someone die in Robotech? Uh, a lot of people died in Robotech, actually. A, a lot of characters. That was that was like a. For those of you that might not know that, it was a the first Japanese animation that kind of really made it over into the United States, and it was it was really a soap opera. It wasn't. It was an episodic with one story arc or three story arcs actually. There were kind of three segments, and uh, following one primary story, and they had no problem killing off their characters, uh, which today would would never happen. But I remember watching that as like a, a seven or an eight year old. And you I would were get totally up at, into that. Oh, I was totally I still am. I still like Robotech. And I would get up at like five in the morning to watch it because Channel 50, which was the unaffiliated. It was not an ABC or NBC or CBS. It was Channel 50, whatever. I don't, I don't remember the call sign of the station. And uh, they would always move the time around. So I was either racing home uh, from school to catch it or getting up at like five in the morning to watch it. Right, that was the one of the channels on the uh, small dial on the TV. Yeah, is that the U UHF? UHF, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, back when there was over the, well, of course, I guess over the air TV has made a comeback. It's so, not only not only made a comeback. The ironic thing is that when we were growing up, UHF was the the less quality station, um, the you know the more fuzzy, I guess. And now um, UHF is uh, much preferred for digital broadcasting. So here in Chicago area, there's one channel, CBS, which still broadcasts on VHF, and it is notoriously hard to uh, tune in. Oh, that's good to know. That's so a little tidbit for the core cutters out there. 
Yeah, well, you're a cord cutter. I'm I'm like a cord embiggener, yeah, if no. that's a word. My cords have been cut for years now. I'm not going back. <laughs> Good man. Don't go back. Uh, thank God for the Internet. Yeah, right. Well, I really replaced. I'm not so much a cord cutter as a cord replacer. Uh, I, I don't get cable TV anymore, but everything's over the Internet or the HD antenna, all of which have cords. Yeah, exactly. Well, one of the things we wanted to touch on tonight um, was actually uh, how things are changing in, in the work face. I mean, we have the we have the Me Too movement. We have all of these things going on right now that we're not things when we were young necessarily or even when we were in college um even in our our first part of our careers these not to say that you know i i guess i hesitate i like have this like cringe moment where i'm like i'm not saying that what people you know what the criminal things did were right i'm not suggesting that but i'm saying that it's a much different environment now in that there's a sensitivity to things that might not that might have gone too far, or I'm going to say did has gone too far and has become very challenging. And it's in the workplace and it's in, in the, it's especially in the universities. I would say it started in the universities, um, but it's then migrated into the workplace and even into people's home lives and personal lives. I mean, I can't imagine dating today. I, I, I would be appalled by that. But maybe that's just because my only concept of dating is what I see on TV, which is pushed by these thought leaders. And maybe it wouldn't be like that. I, I don't know. I, I, I find that very challenging, and yet I don't have many single friends that can tell me if my understanding is accurate or inaccurate. Yeah, I'm not sure how the how the dating thing goes, but I, what I think is probably very challenging is that we have now certainly entered the social media era, right, where everyone feels the need to be online. And when you when you take a Gen X or like you or I. And you put us online. Um, what can happen is that if you say something unpopular, um, people will then there's an opportunity to, to judge you and disparage you based on things where, that you said when you were 20. And we're seeing that all the time. We're seeing old yearbooks come up. We're seeing things that at the time may have been on the edge of acceptable, but really weren't. You know, career ending or or considered that taboo otherwise they wouldn't have done in the first place and those things are being judged with a 2019 lens and um, many people have seemed to have been brought down recently uh, through through doing that well I a phrase that I've kind of, I, I don't think I've coined this although it would be awesome if I did um, it's kind of the thought of I'm offended so it must be offensive. Well, if you're offended, that's one thing. I'm not sure that necessarily makes what they did offensive. It just means that you took it that way. But it immediately turns into, well, it's my truth. And if it's truth, then it must be true. Um, in fact, being I've, I've got offended. A, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, just being offended has gained such power or so perceived power today. I have to think that, that we're, that this is going to turn around, but uh, right now, Saying that I'm offended uh, is enough to to bring down some top people. Uh, that's all it takes. And uh, so the more sensitive you are, the more power you have. Well, I've got a clip. And um, I, I think a lot of this Tempest in a Teapot has really started on university campuses. And Jerry Seinfeld came out years ago 
and said comedians can't play universities anymore. Said the students aren't funny. The students don't know what comedy is. They're offended by everything you say. Even if they are offended, they can't brush it off. It has to become a cause. And you, you can't play it anymore. So he, he said that, God, what, five years ago or more maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ever since then, it's just become more and more robust. And here, let me, let me play a clip. And, um, this is from WISH TV, uh, in Indianapolis. And this is about Notre Dame University. Um, hopefully this plays. Notre Dame will no longer display its Christopher Columbus murals. News Aid's Emily Kenzer is here to explain why that change is happening. Good morning. Yeah, good morning to you both. The decision comes just in time as Notre Dame plans to celebrate the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday and walk the walk week at the university. University of Notre Dame President Reverend John Jenkins released a letter saying he's heard conversations in recent years about the Christopher Columbus murals painted on the walls in the school's main building. The paintings you see right here in this video depict Columbus's voyage to America. They've actually been displayed on the school's walls since the 1800s, 1880s to be exact. They'll soon be covered up with the material and no longer regularly displayed. Reverend Jenkins said in a statement, in recent years, however, many have come to see the murals as its best, blind to the consequences of Columbus's voyage for the indigenous peoples who inhabited this new world and at worst, demeaning toward them. The university president says he'll be establishing a committee to decide where to display those murals of. uh So here it is, you know, a major American university just taking something incredibly historic and I guess in theory priceless in terms of the art side of things and just saying, hey, we're kind of kind of sensitive to this now. So we're just going to make it go away. Even though it's been here forever, not even, you know, like the U.S., um, not Forestry Service, U.S. Park Service has put, you know, contextual signs next to things that they didn't like saying, hey, this was, you know, this was what it was back in the 1700s. But, you know, the context has changed They're providing a little context. Well, and this is just another example of which there are many of um Deciding that uh, a, someone is unworthy of praise or, or that they are, as a person, um, worthless because of something they've done. So, you know, another example is uh, Louis C.K., let's say. I've been to several Louis C.K. shows. I think the guy is hilarious. I would go to one today if he was still doing, if he was still performing. I don't know if I'm supposed to. I don't really care if I'm supposed to. But because... He did some heinous shit. Um, you're not supposed to like him anymore. And I think that's something that seems to me to be something that's that's new. I don't remember it being like that when we were younger. You know, when people did bad shit, um, you could still like them for the good shit they did. Well, yeah, and, and I, the funny thing is, is I'm trying to think back and think of people that – like Pee Wee Herman. The only one that I can really jump back in time – is Pee Wee Herman. Can you think of any others from back when we were young? So are you talking examples of people who just had to fall out of public life or people yes. who get, went on? Well, um, both, both. Well, you know, one piece, one thing people probably don't know that I, that I found when I was looking uh, into research for this is Rob Lowe. Um, oh yeah. Made a sex tape with a 16 year old. With an and, underage girl. He, he committed, what would that be called? Statutory rape? Yeah. I mean, there's a word for that rape. <laughs> and uh, so this is this is someone who 
committed rape, which is, you know, uh, I mean, it's always bad, right? But it's, uh, it seems to have, uh, expanded in definition and, um, impact now. And uh, he went on to have a wonderful career. He laughs about it today, apparently. Well, I'm trying to, was that, that was at the 84 Democratic Convention, right? Or was it the 988? It might have been the 88 Democratic Convention. He was at, he was in a hotel room at one of the Democratic uh, conventions and uh, videotaped himself. I, th- I think he videotaped himself with the really? underage girl. I, don't I, I believe what, that's where it the was. Background. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, he he wasn't uh, shot no, or anything. He's he dropped off. He dropped off for a little while, but he certainly came back. Even Pee Wee Herman came back. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't Chuck, think Chuck Berry um, got caught putting cameras in women's restrooms. That's true. Well, and, and we we're still allowed to like Chuck Berry. I, I think we aren't. Well, and another example, if if we're going to go back in the seventies. I, boy, does the game change it. That's why I think some people are being very, very quiet. Is uh, lead singer from Aerosmith, um, Steven Tyler. You met him. Um, he had a girlfriend that he took on tour that I want to say was 15 or 16. Jeez. Um, or a series of them. And Ted Nugent actually had his, and again, I'm going to, the details on this are – I don't have them perfectly down, but uh, I believe his girlfriend was 15 or 16, and he had her parents name him as her guardian for mm. him to take on tour and live with him and be his girlfriend. Um, so when she called him daddy, there was there was like a double entendre there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was both figurative and literal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, if we if we jump back that far in time, thing the things changed. I mean, things were radical. The Rolling Stones, uh, the bass player Bill Wyman, I, I don't think I'm saying his last name right. Um, he married his uber young teenage girlfriend. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Well, Kevin Spacey uh, basically did the same thing, only with dudes. Like he was with young dudes. I guess he was a little forward or a little aggressive with them. But I don't think that the, anyone was claiming a you know, forcible rape or something that would be more horrifying. I think it was just statutory. And yet he's he's now out. You, you can't be a Kevin Spacey fan anymore. He's not on House of Cards. Um, so I, I think I think we're judging more harshly today with Kevin Spacey in particular. You, you don't see Kevin Spacey movies played anymore. Right. You know, if you're Brad Pitt and you're like, I was you know, I was the star of seven. But because Kevin Spacey was the bad guy, they don't play my movies anymore. They can't re-release a special edition of Seven on its 25th anniversary now because Kevin Spacey's in it. Um, Morgan Freeman's got to be like, you know, what the hell? Come on. I, I want a 25th anniversary box set. Or uh, what's another Kevin Spacey movie? Um, American um, – shit, that's Suburban movie. Um, American Beauty. American Beauty. Fantastic. Or movie. Usual Suspects. I mean, usual he's, been, suspects. he's been a ton yeah. of great stuff. Right. I mean, no more box sets, no more special edition, no more criterion editions. Uh, if he's in it, that is now completely off the radar. So and it's tainted. It's tainted. It's tainted product. I mean, like uh, another example, I think Bill Cosby himself, that, that hour long special or whatever it is, is one of the funniest 60 minutes that have ever been recorded on television. And, um, 
I don't think you're supposed to like it anymore. Uh, I, I feel like we should be able to acknowledge that the guy is funny. He did. He, I mean, he's, I don't have to like the guy to think that he's funny. Um, but I, I think if I were to in, 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 um, uh, polite company talk about how funny Bill Cosby is, I think I'd be, uh, scorned for that. Yeah. Bill Cosby himself. I remember that. That was just him on a stage with a chair. And it was quite possibly one of the funniest 60 minutes ever created. It was hysterical. Yeah. And it was good. It, the whole family could watch it. It wasn't like Eddie Murphy, like delirious, which was great, which was hysterical, or Richard Pryor, who was wonderful. But you could have a whole family watch Bill Cosby and everybody would think it was funny. Uh, but now, yeah, you're never going to see that again. Now, in fact, Roseanne Barr, um, I think, is an interesting example. So edgy comedy way back in the day, maybe a little wacky. Um, she goes away for a while. She comes back. They reboot her show. The show's on for I don't even think it made its whole season. Um, it, it was I watched the new version. It was not um, it was OK. It was edgy. It certainly was edgy. It wasn't everybody thought it was this ultra right wing show. And it wasn't. It really wasn't. Um, but then I had started uh, DVRing the original series from way back in the day. My mom and I used to watch Roseanne. My mom loved Roseanne. And uh, so I was replaying it periodically and letting the kids watch it so they would kind of see what you know the comedy was or sitcoms were like back when I was young. And, um, of course, her drama comes out where she made fun of Valerie Jarrett. And uh, – so she makes fun of Valerie Jarrett. There's the whole whole I'm offended thing. I really don't think it helped that she's been at least an off and on Trump supporter. So she is excommunicated. So her show, the new version, immediately gets canceled. And then the old show is taken off the air. So from TV land or TBS or wherever oh, it was. I know they took the old one off too. Yeah, they took the old one off. But what was interesting was I had my DVR set to record new and old Roseanne shows. Well, six months, almost to the day, um, it was TBS or TV Land or one of those syndicated shows or syndicated channels starts re-showing the old Roseanne. No fanfare. I even tried to look it up on the internet and say, hey, is, you know, is this show back? Nobody said anything, but the show just was slipped back into the rotation. Uh, they probably got it on the cheap. Well, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure they got it for next to nothing. But it's it's kind of interesting how it was taken off and then did kind of quietly come back and you know well, very. How, how would you compare the PCness of Roseanne in the 80s and 90s versus Roseanne in the 2010s? You know, it was a it was a funny and unfunny show at all times. Um, I would say it was a little bit more overtly. It, I think it name dropped a little bit more in the new version, trying to be up to date, you know, trying to make sure that you couldn't confuse the old show and the new show where the where the old show didn't name drop a whole lot, you know, in a modern political context. Um, but the old show was there were times it was kind of hard to watch. It was edgy and it this it did not gloss over the problems of suburbia the way that uh I, I think a lot of shows that are set in the suburbs kind of do now or did then, too, I'm sure mm -hmm. um, it, it did not do that. So there were times when it was really funny 
And then there were times when that show was kind of uncomfortable. Um, so it, 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 I would say it was a good show, and I'm glad I got you know my kids to watch at least a few episodes before it disappeared. Uh, but now it's back, and so if you're into that sort of thing, it is back. Well, how did are they? Did the Connors succeed? Or, I, I I was sure that that was going to be um, a flop. You know, I I heard that it did not do very. I, I I don't know is the short answer. I heard that it did not do very well, but that it did get renewed for a second season. Um, so I don't know if that's the studio just saying, "Hey, listen, we kind of have to make this work." Uh, you know, we made a big deal out of this, so come on, let's just give it a second season, and then we'll quietly make it go away after that. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Maybe I was wrong then. Sounds like I was. So let me let me ask you this. Let me run through some names, and you tell me if that person's ever going to be allowed back. Because you know, right now it's it's you're either shunned or maybe sent into exile for a little bit, or you're executed. It, it's it's it seems like you know there, there's more executions than just being shunned. But tell me if you think they've got a chance at coming back. So yeah, and the que- the question is, you're asking my view on whether society will let them back, right? Not whether I personally would not welcome you, them back. Not right? you personally. The society okay. and the thought leaders, as it as it is today in 2019, yeah. are they are these people going to be allowed back? So I'm going to start with an easy one. Right. Harvey Weinstein. No, no way. Yeah, no way. Uh, Matt Lauer. I don't know. Um, he's, uh, what I think colors the um, opinion on this is the person's politics. And if they're left wing enough, I think that they can be forgiven by today's, you know, quote unquote, thought leaders. Um, so I think he's got a chance. Maybe if anyone even cares anymore. I think now that he's been out of the spot, out of the uh, uh, not spotlight, but out of people's uh, off of people's TVs for this long. Um, he may have a hard time coming back. I, I think you're right. Uh, I think a lot of women in middle America love him. Uh, I, I think it'd be different maybe 10 years ago. Of course, a lot of things were different 10 years ago, but, uh, as soon as his, I, I hear he's getting divorced, he's a rich dude. So I imagine once his divorce is final, I think you'll see him try to come back. Um, cause he there's was a lot of cable TV out there. There's, there's a lot, lot of, a lot of time to fill. Yeah. All right, so uh, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> well, he's the other side of the coin, right? Yeah, sort of. Uh, yeah. But uh, Bill could do his own thing, kind of. D- didn't he do his own thing? Who's the guy? Oh, I'm thinking Glenn Beck. But uh, I think there's a lot of um, alternative media that would welcome Bill O'Reilly. Well, you're right. Bill O'Reilly is on a um, a station called Newsmax, which I think 14 people around America get. Mm. Um, and he, he like films it from his house and it's filmed on like the worst camera ever. It's terrible. I mean, it's, it's seriously, this is a guy that was in television for 40 years. We're and talking production. running in place type technology here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but it's pretty awful. But, but could he, I guess when I say come back, I'm talking about the big leagues. Um, so, so Matt, I, yeah, like Fox or MSN or something like, and I could see Matt Lauer landing on MSN or CNN or something like right. that. Yeah, I mean, I could see Bill coming back on Fox sometime if, if he's if he's remains entertaining and has something intelligible to say. I could see Fox bringing him back. Yeah, Billy Bush. I don't know who that is. You, Sorry. Uh, uh, remember uh, Trump Pussygate? Um, 
he was on a bus with an entertainment. No, reporter. I, I remember that. I, I don't remember who it was. It was an so entertainment he, reporter named Billy Bush. So he got ostracized just for being on the bus with Trump? Um, because he didn't immediately call Trump out and say, no, you can't say that. I abhor you. He was ostracized uh, and fired uh, for something he did many, many years earlier. And he is a uh, coattail relative of the Bush family. Really? Of the Georges and all the Jebs and all of those. Yes. I'm going to say no comment on that. I just don't know. Yeah. I I, I would say if he was going to come back, he'd be back already. But uh, I think he, he got super screwed. It's such you, a specious uh, charge. I, because he did not immediately say no. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Charlie Rose. You know who that is? No, he's going to be dead before he this all blows over. Dead. I totally agree with that. So Louis C.K. You know what? I don't know. I would have said yes uh, if we had been doing this, say, three months ago, because I thought for sure um, he would be forgiven. But in the last three months, he tried to make a, a, a comeback, a comedy set, and he was just the normal C.K. He was hilarious, I thought. Um, but uh, the thought leaders – and by thought leaders, I think we're talking about people with way too much time on their hands behind keyboards and who aren't really leaders of anything, except maybe Twitter, thought his some of his jokes were offensive and didn't think he was conciliatory enough. I guess they, in order for them to be accepting of Louis C.K. to come back, he's got to be someone who is not Louis C.K. So I would say that uh, unless there's a societal shift, which I think probably will happen, but unless there is, if we're talking about the 2019 we're in today, no, he can't come back. In fact, he yeah. never could have started. Oh, no, he never could have started. He would uh, – comedy may die with this generation. Nothing may be funny again. Uh, that's probably a little exaggerated, but I don't know. Um, I've still got – Bill Burr keeps me – keeps my hope alive. <laughs> All right. So um, Jeffrey Tambor was the actor um, that was playing a transsexual – and you've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Do you know who yeah. he is? Yeah, he's the he was the um, there's always money in the banana stand guy, right? That's the, the guy. Rest of development. Yeah. Yes, that's the guy. Funny guy. A little bit on the dry kind of intellectual humor side. Um, and he was apparently made jokes on the set that made a couple of ladies feel uncomfortable. But it seems like the thing he was really kind of punished for was that he was not a transsexual. He was a straight man playing a transsexual and was on a show. You're using outdated language. I don't think people say transsexual anymore. I thought you could say that. I think no. I think it's just transgender. Ah, we shit. used to have a few. Well, I'm not sure. We used to have transvestite. I know we can't say that anymore. Yeah, you can't say that anymore. I think transsexual is also among the things that is – I think it's all just transgender now. Oh, OK. Well, he was playing a – he was playing a transgendered person when he was not a transgendered he did, actor. Yeah. He did not himself identify as a woman. Yes. And, well, that'll um, learn you. Uh, there you go. So I, I think he may be allowed to come back. He's He's one of them that I think will probably get away with it. Well, he's also getting old, though. He may, may he may be just done with this shit. Yeah, he may be. 
you've got that right. Well, and which what leads me to because it's it's yeah, this is we can sit here and play the, you know, the card game of who gets to come back and who doesn't. But we have a very contemporaneous event going on right now. We have the governor of Virginia that was there are there is photographic evidence and personal testimony of him in blackface. And uh, now not he says he's not in the picture, but does admit doing it. Um, you have then the lieutenant governor, also of Virginia, who also appeared. No, the lieutenant governor was sexual harassment. Right. Um, and then the attorney general, who also admitted that he had worn blackface, although I don't believe a picture was ever. I think he just came out and said, hey, folks, I did this, too. Uh, before anybody goes and finds a picture, I did it right. too. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't seen a picture. Um, so you have, you know, there's something in government called the line of succession. And it's supposed to be, okay, government has to keep running no matter who is, you know, in or out. You, you know, there is always an executive that can run whatever government it is that you have. So if it, if it, you lose the governor, you get the lieutenant governor. If you lose the lieutenant governor, you get the attorney general in Virginia. And if you lose the attorney general, you get the Speaker of the House. So Governor, Democrat, Lieutenant Governor, Democrat, Attorney General, Democrat, Speaker of the House, Republican. So as soon as the – I mean I thought I thought the governor was going to be forced to step down. Then the Lieutenant Governor, he was as excited as he could be. You could tell he was so excited at the prospect of becoming governor. He couldn't wait for that guy to roll under the bus. Then his thing came out. Then everybody starts looking at the attorney general and the attorney general within, I swear to God, seconds came out and said, I did it too. Leave me alone. And then everybody went, wait, we're going to have to turn the state over to a Republican. And then all of a sudden the news went silent. Absolutely. And it, I would say that he's survived it. I think the governor, governor in blackface is going to survive simply because our thought leaders went, holy crap, look what we've done. We're about to hand the state of Virginia to the Republicans. Well, do you, how do you suppose this affects their strategy of going after, you know, the Kavanaugh strategy of going after things that are 30 years old to disqualify people in, in, the, in the here and now? If they, if they let the governor go, do you think that they are self-aware enough to realize that the, the jig is up on this? Yes, I do think that that's – I think they are self-aware. And I mean you can almost hear the cognitive dissonance going on of, of them saying he's got to go, but we can't lose him. And I, I think they're going to have a very hard time with that, and I think they may let him go and the lieutenant governor and the attorney general um, because something I've wondered about – and, and again, I can't – I would love – this is my conspiracy theory. All right, all right, so I've got my tinfoil hat on. Something that I have wondered about with this is, is this a de facto or de jure conspiracy to kick boomers out of office or out of positions of power, whether it's in Washington or whether it's in New York or whether it's in Hollywood? Is it – is this – the background of it, really, the millennials and probably some Gen Xers too, but I, I think specifically the millennials, saying we finally found a lever to get these old people out. 
I don't. And, well, I mean, that's an interesting theory, but I'm not buying it. I think this is simply a natural and inevitable consequence, an unfortunate consequence of identity politics. This is where it has to go. So when you when you judge, when everyone is fits into a group, and it's it's only your group that can do good things, and the other group cannot do good things, uh, this is where you end up. Uh, so it starts with uh, you know Thomas Jefferson uh, isn't great because he owns slaves, and that, and then it's Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, can't be the Supreme Court justice because he may have had an awkward moment with a teenage girl um, 30 years ago. A- and the the you can't once you're in for a penny and for a pound, you can't uh, turn it on and off. So you've got to say that this guy today, if he if he did anything racist, if he if he made an unfortunate costume decision uh, 30, 40 years ago, he's out, too. So we, we, it's only our side or the other side and every, anyone who's done anything wrong is out and is 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 unpersoned. Uh, I think that's an inevitable consequence and I'm hoping that because of that because we've now gone down that slippery slope that's what's going to turn this around. We, I hope that's the the awakening that that uh, we need. So you think this is a fire that could burn itself out. It's it's just going to go too far one day and then everybody's going to be like, "Whoa, wait a minute." They're going to run out of they're going to run out of heroes because everyone has done something. Everyone's made an off-color joke. Everyone's done something they're ashamed of. Everyone's been a little sexist. It's it's no one can be held up to their standard. Well, and what I don't really get. Well, all right, unrelated but un, kind of unrelated was I watched a documentary last night on the band Chicago. I like the band Chicago. I've seen them in concert a bunch of times. There's a documentary on Netflix that's really surprisingly well done. And one of the one of the musicians is talking about being a musician in the late 70s. And and he says, oh, my God, thank God there was no Twitter and no Instagram and no um, TMZ back then. He goes, or none of us would be here right now. Well, I felt the same way about growing up uh, when I was in high school. I did stupid shit. You did stupid shit. You did less stupid shit than I did. But uh, it, it wasn't we didn't have. All of our stupid shit broadcast to everywhere and lasting forever because the Internet never dies. So abs- I, I am convinced that if there are cameras on us the way that there are cameras always on uh, high school kids today, that neither of us could ever run for public office. We probably can't run for public office anyway, but it, it, there would be a lot more stuff. Everyone has stuff, not, not that we were particularly bad, but everyone who grew up in the 80s, if if they had been filmed at the at the rate that kids are filmed today, um, they'd all have skeletons in their closet. I just I wonder what the trigger is going to be that burns it out, because I don't think the governor of Virginia is going to be it. But, you know, is it going to take, you know, you know, somebody pulling up video of Barack Obama saying something awful or Brad Pitt saying something awful or are they going to get a pass? I don't know. I, I that's. That's where I sit here and say, how does it – I don't think it's as hot now as it was. Like back when the, the Harvey Weinstein thing was going on, it was one – it seemed like somebody every other day was going down. Yeah. Uh, now it's now it's backed off from that. But the New York Times list that I actually pulled most of my list from, and we only went through a couple of people on the list, um, had I think 201 or 203 names, mostly political and, and business leaders. This was just – you know I just pulled out some of the entertainment people. If I had um, to guess, it would be 
the 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 right using the left's tactics to bring down someone more important than the Virginia governor. So maybe the maybe the 2020 Democratic candidate or something like that. It's just so easy. I don't I don't know why they wouldn't do it. So whoever the 2020 candidate is, um, someone's going to come out of the woodwork and say, you know, something happened. This candidate did something 20, 30 years ago. Um, we're going to use the right is going to use the exact same thing that the left did. And if it works, I think that may be the turning point. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that is really what happens. Um, I just I wish I had my little crystal ball where I could sit here and be like, got him. Um, mm. But I don't. Anyway, that seems like a kind of a natural point to, to close the show this week. Now, do you yeah. have any parting thoughts, closing thoughts? Oh, you put me on the spot like that. No, not really. Isn't that awful? Not, well, I mean, I, th- I don't know that we've covered any ground that hasn't been well trodden uh, today. But, uh, I, you know, I, I do hope that 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 the current uh, climate we're in, I, I, I do I maintain hope, I think, is what I'm trying to say, that the current climate we're in will change. I don't know when. Uh, we did go through something similar to this in the 90s. There was uh, like a PC wave that lasted a few years. There was a movie about it, PCU. Um, I remember and, that. And, and it went away. And I think this will go away, too. I just hope it – I hope it can. Um, if it can't, it's becoming less and less a world that I want to be a part of. So I, I remain cautiously optimistic. I just don't know when that change is going to happen. Well, you know, I always wonder when somebody's going to like really, you know, like go galt. And you're going to have a, a famous actor, or a famous director, or a famous thought leader, or a famous celebrity that's just like, you know, folks, I made a mountain of money. I'm out. Have a good day. And not like an old guy either. Not like right. a spring, you know, a Spielberg or a, you know, or a Clint Eastwood or somebody like somebody young, somebody that's got you know 20 years left of really good career left in them where they could really do something exciting. And they just go, you know, I'm done. I'm moving to my ranch in Wyoming and have a nice life. Maybe Kevin Hart. <laughs> well, that's what the world needs. Yeah, maybe. I mean, this guy, he could be the next. Uh, well, I mean, he's not as funny as Richard Pryor, but he's he's in a, the prime of his career and he's getting shit on. And maybe maybe he's the one who just nopes the fuck out. Well, and, and wouldn't that be interesting if he did that? Because, you know, you've got the Sarah Silverman's of the world and a bunch of people that were giving him grief that then you look back in their Twitter feed and you find some pretty incredible, unfunny jokes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe he is the one that where people finally go, all right, we got to stop being such nutbags here. Maybe. If they ever do. If they ever do. All right. Well, um, thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can find us at, uh, at Running Place Pod on Twitter. And the Running in Place podcast on Facebook. We really appreciate you joining us. And uh, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. See you later.